are you doing in here, cutie? Watching football. Who do you want to win? The goddamn Jets. Just wing it, baby. All right, we're good. You ready? Yeah. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I am your host, Jeff. I'm your other host, Jake. What's up, dude? Nothing much, man. How was your week? It was all right. Yeah? Yeah. Any, any news on the, the test? Haven't heard back yet. Okay, okay. How yeah. long till you hear back? Um, They said about two to three weeks okay. from when you take it. So. All right. Out A week out, how are you feeling a little better about it? Um... I got to talking to a guy who graduated from WSU Vancouver mm-hmm. uh, through the public affairs program, and he took a lot of classes with Dr. Lopez. Right. And Dr. Lopez set me up with him because he's currently living in Washington, D.C., and he just took the Foreign Service Officer exam as well. And we're kind of emailing, emailing back and forth, mm-hmm. and he, um, it seems to, I don't know, belay my fears a little bit. Okay. But at the same time, I'm where my fears fear was with i was afraid that i didn't do well in the multiple choice yeah now i'm more afraid that i didn't do well in the essay on the essay so well we'll, we'll see how it goes we'll you're good see. you're a good writer i think i think i'm sure you did well we'll oh, see you're a good writer well, you know your stuff too thank you um so we wanted to talk about uh we got a few things that we want to talk about today but one thing was we're gonna nerd down on video games a little bit i cannot wait so e3 was last week um did you watch any of the? I'm sure you watched some of the trailers and the announcements and videos. But what what are some of the things that stood out for you that you're most excited for or disappointed in? For me, the biggest thing I'm I'm excited for is Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, which I think I'll be buying the Pikachu version of that. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I'm I was I saw that and I was like, okay. First of all, I need to say you don't have a Switch. Nope, and I'm buying a Switch specifically for okay. this game. Okay, so um, I do have a Switch, so I've already been on it, dude. I know. I've been trying You're to tell you, you got to get it. You got that as soon as it came out, too. I got it for my birthday. I was like, I need this. Um, so uh, between Eevee and, and, and uh, Pikachu, let's go Pikachu, I, I saw it and I was like, okay, Pikachu's classic, mm-hmm. but I'm, I I always try to like, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm like, I'm going to go against the grand and get Eevee. Yeah, Eevee has the cooler evolves especially if they plan which i'm i'm assuming they're going to plan expansions yeah oh yeah and then go to the johto region yeah yeah uh, which i mean yeah yeah i mean i I, i'm a huge fan of the original 151 right right. and um for me my i guess my childhood experience with pokemon kind of ended after oh yeah yeah. after 150 after the original gen 1 pokemon so i never i never got into pokemon i never played pokemon um like on the handheld on the Game Boys and stuff like like most people did. I never played with the cards. Um but the one game that I did play and I was obsessed with was Pokemon Stadium on oh, 64. Yeah. That was a good game. Oh, so much fun. So much fun. Turn-based, I loved it. So because I loved that game so much there are certain pokemon games that i can get into mm-hmm. and that that new one is definitely one that i think i can get into yeah but i think basically the entire gaming community has been waiting for a pokemon rpg for a console mm-hmm. for decades now yeah. and i think this was the perfect con- i think 
they were Nintendo is probably waiting for the perfect console to release this on, and right. they have that in the Switch because it can cross over from both handheld mm-hmm. to console. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I th- I, I'm really looking forward to it because I never got to play the game. I never played the Game Boys games when I was a kid. Oh, okay. So this is I I I've been toying around buying because last year, two years ago, they released with with the uh, with the new um, with the new Game Boys. They the re-released DS. yeah the DS. The 3DS, they released red, blue, and yellow. Yeah, the yeah. original, they just remastered them and brought them, put them on the new Game Boy, on the current generation Game Boy uh, handheld. And I want, I've been trying to get myself to buy that and buy that. But now, this is going to just be a reboot of yellow. Right. And so it's turn based. Yeah. It's um, all original 151 yeah. Pokemon. And I'm hoping what they do is because in the original games, I heard like Gollum, Alakazam, you couldn't get unless you traded. Well, through a system link. Okay. Oh, through system link? Yeah, so you had to trade, like, uh, Kadabra. If you wanted Alakazam, you had to trade Kadabra to a buddy. Uh-huh. They had to then trade that Kadabra back to you. Then you could evolve to Alakazam. Oh. But if you didn't have a buddy to system link with, yeah. you could never completely fill out the Pokedex. Right. And and with Switch, that connecting is way easier. It's going to be way, way easier. So I, even I if... Yeah, even if they have that component, right. that that original component of, of yellow, um, this can be way easier too. Because I know you'll be playing it, so be like, "Hey, dude, I want yeah. to do me a solid for sure." But how, so, how would you feel? How would you feel if it was like you could do it online with anybody? I would be totally fine with that. Too. I wouldn't like that. You wouldn't see. Okay. Well, you said something earlier about a component of it. Oh, we'll we'll talk about it in a second. I know I remember what it was. Um, but I wouldn't want to be able to just like link up with some random person. I think that it'd be interesting if Nintendo and people will probably hate this, but if they forced you to, um, you had to trade with people who were you who you were friends with mm-hmm. on your console. Oh, okay. So that way, you know, there is that little bit more of a, a connection, more of a realistic aspect to it. For sure. For me, with Go, I played Go really hard. For yeah, like the that's first what I was going to bring up. Was you go so hard on Pokemon Go? Yeah, I played that thing hard. Kylie and I would go out and just play like for hours after I'd get off work at eight, and we'd play until like ten, eleven o'clock at night. My favorite part is so you live um, kind of near Vancouver Mall, and if you if you're in Vancouver and you live in Vancouver, or you talk to anybody about where they live in Vancouver, everybody lives by the mall. Mm-hmm. That's what I when I first moved over here. Everyone, <laughs> I was like, "Where do you live?" And they're like, "Oh, by the mall." It's like, "Okay, how does everybody live by the mall?" And it's just kind of it's just this thing. But uh, you guys would go down to the waterfront, yep. and you drive down, go go on walks, but to play Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When I would go to the fort, or one night we we needed to find we wanted to find this Charmander nest, and apparently it was there's a Charmander nest at the dog park, like this big dog park out in Orchard. So we went there at night. And we got wrong information or something. Where did you get that information? Okay, so there's Facebook pages. Oh my! For like, God. There's, it's Pokemon <laughs> Go Vancouver, Washington. That's amazing. And they do like nest updates and everything like that. It's now it's devolved into people just complaining about Niantic, like, oh, it's a pay-for-play system now. Like, oh, I need to like they yeah. shouldn't make me have to pay you know five dollars for Pokeballs or mm-hmm, something. I mean, mm-hmm. you can if you farm, you can get everything you need in the right. game. My only complaint with Go is that they've hid all of the 
legendaries mm-hmm. behind raid battles, oh, which you right. need that's like eight saying. people in order to eight. Like, you need like eight people to do a raid in order to oh like be able to have gosh. a shot at Mewtwo, Mew, Zapdos, Articuno, right. Moltres. Like you cannot fill out your Gen One Pokedex unless you've got a whole group of people. Which is why I'm super excited that you and Matt are thinking about downloading again because then I'm going to force Kylie to download again. Yeah, and we have a posse of four, and at least maybe we'd have a shot right. at getting me some of those legendaries. Um, so in that. There's 151 original. Mm-hmm. How many do you have? So I have all of the ones in Gen 1 that are not regional. So okay. they, something else that they did was uh, they have regional Pokemon. So in the United States, is well, North America is Taros. That's uh-huh. our regional Pokemon. So that's not available anywhere else in the world other than wow. North America. In Europe, it's Mr. Mime. And in Australia, it's uh, Kangaskhan. Mm-hmm. And then in Asia, it's Farfetch'd. Interesting. So you can't, you unless you go to those regions, you can't fill, completely fill out your Pokedex. And then also the, legendary. um, the legendaries, yeah. unless you've done raid battles, which I haven't. So I have everything minus, Regional? minus the three regionals that I don't have. <laughs> and then the, the legendaries, That's obviously. amazing. So yeah, the reason that I thought about getting back into Pokemon Go was because um, on the Let's Go Pikachu mm-hmm. game, um, you can transfer. So I like this aspect. You, you you didn't seem like you liked it too much. No. But I like the ability of being able to transfer things from uh, characters from your Pokemon Go onto your uh, Nintendo Switch Pokemon Pokedex mm-hmm. and using them in game there. I think I would do that after I've like completed my entire Pokedex on the game. Uh-huh. I just want the... Because I never played the Game Boy okay, game as yeah, a kid, and I just want to have that experience of catching them all within the game. Right. You know, I like that actually. And instead of just because I already have pretty much the whole Pokedex filled out on right. Pokemon Go, and so I would transfer all of those into my Pokedex on the yeah. game, and it would just kind of be like, oh, I'm catching another Bell Sprout, like instead yeah. of catching a Bell Sprout to hopefully evolve it to you know Weeping Bell and the Victory yeah, Bell on the game. Yeah. So I, I like I like the Pokemon Go aspect of it. I mean, I think because of why anybody likes that game is your in real life and you're searching these Pokemon out and you're catching them. And I think then I'm so nostalgic and nerdy when it comes to this stuff, but like, Oh, remember when I caught that Pikachu down by Fort Vancouver, that's this Pikachu I'm using on the <laughs> switch. You know what I mean? That's, that's, I, I never thought about that. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, you can look, I mean, I'll look at like my Dragonite and I remember catching the wild Dragonite right. in Pokemon Go and how Kylie and I were like running around the Fred Meyer at, at um, like 11 o'clock at <laughs> night at Grand Central yeah. trying to, f- because it'll be on your nearby uh-huh. and it keep, it would, it would keep moving. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, you're this, it's basically you're playing Marco Polo with right. this thing and it keeps moving, you know, further and down the list on the nearby and we finally found it and then freaking out that we thought it was broke out of our Pokeballs. We were almost out of like, we were out of ultra balls. We were throwing mat, you know, we were throwing great balls at it and hoping. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get what you mean. That'd yeah. be a lot of fun. So I think, I think that part would be cool. About it. So yeah, definitely excited for that game. Um, I'm excited for you to get a switch just because it's a great console. I freaking love it. I was hesitant to get it because I bought the Wii U mm-hmm. and that was garbage. So, um, you know, I have a buddy who does a a podcast about gaming specifically. So I reached out to him and I was like, "Hey, uh, is the Switch worth it?" And he said it was. So I got it, and you know, I have I have a ton of games for it. I have a lot of you know the the main titles for it. Um, but it'd be exciting for you to get it because then we could 
you know, mm-hmm. play online. Oh, there's a lot of cool games. Yeah. Uh, their, their, their game index is getting really, really solid. Well, and that brings me to E3 announcements. Um, Mario Party. Oh, it's going to be a blast. I love Mario Party. I love it. Um, there's this, uh, there's this condo that Jen and I, um, we've been going to once a year since we, um, got married. I think even before then, um, it's in Lincoln City, Oregon, and in the condo they have a GameCube, hmm. and they have Mario Party Seven. I th- I don't know which one it was on GameCube, but every year we go on like uh if, if it's an anniversary or just a special date, we'll go and we'll try to get that condo, and we always like compete on Mario Party. <laughs> that sounds so much fun, dude. It's like our thing, like. So we'll play it and we'll just we'll battle it out and we'll play all night playing Mario Party for one night. It's it's super fun. So when I saw that they were coming out with Mario Party for the Switch, I I sh- I had to show her the trailer. I was like, you know what this means, right? Like our our marriage is over. We're gonna battle <laughs> till the end every single day. Um, so I'm super excited for that one. Um, and then the Smash Brothers. I mean, did you play Smash Brothers at yeah. all? Yeah, I played Smash Bros. Okay, on the GameCube. So. Smash Brothers is huge in um, my family, more specifically my wife's side of the family. Okay. So we have it's it's crazy that now that I'm thinking about it, these Nintendo traditions that I have. So Jen and I have a tradition where when we go to the beach on Romantic Getaway, we have epic battles for Mario Party. Um, every Christmas, Jen's brothers, Jen has six brothers. Um, and on this side of the family, on her mom's side of the family, she has three. Um, and every year they come over and we all go to Jen's mom's house and we pl- we have a Smash Brothers like epic tournament on Christmas. Oh my gosh. That is our Christmas tradition. That's a great Christmas tradition. And it's so... I'm kids, so jealous of you. There's <laughs> kids running around, you know, um, and... and uh, all the women and the girls, they like to bake during Christmas. That We always do like a, a cookie decoration event for Christmas. And, you know, the kids and the, and the moms and the women will be doing that. Mm-hmm. And all the guys are in the living room like just yelling at each other, <laughs> talking trash. Like, who's, getting, your, who's your go-to? Uh, okay. It depends on the game, but generally zero suit Samus. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why. I just love her. She's mm-hmm. got some, especially on the newest one, she's got some great moves. Um, otherwise, I go classic with just Mario. Yeah, Mario's yeah. good. I played a lot of, um, I played a lot of Link. Uh, I mean, everyone's played a lot mm-hmm. of Link. Yeah. Link is, the, he's a stud. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Link. And he's got awesome, great moves. Um, but that's why I, I've tried to, you know, I think that when I chose Zero Suit because when you think about Smash Brothers, she's not really a character most people think about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're Zero Suit? So that's like, okay, I, I want to get really good with this. My buddy always played Samus. Yeah. See, uh, or just regular Samus is mm-hmm. great, too. Um, but Jen's brother, Clay, mm-hmm. he got so into um, Smash Brothers. Like, he never competed, but he would watch competitions. He would watch. He would know every single little detail that you could do, like tricks that you could do that competitors learn. Um, wow. So... When these games come out and he's researching them to that level, the rest of us are just getting stomped by him mm-hmm. because he's just at such a higher level. And 
and he just bought a Switch, and he's been waiting for Brawl, and I have a Switch, and I'm going to get Brawl. So this Christmas is going to Oh, it's get, going down. Oh, it's going to get nuts. That's um, awesome. But it'll be fun because it'll be a whole new console. And you know, one thing that I love about this, I don't know if you know this, um, so they came out with Smash Brothers on Wii U, mm-hmm. I think, right? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And then they came out with it on Wii, and they're coming out with it on Switch. And every single time on all these consoles that they've released it, they've released a, a, a way for you to use GameCube controllers. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. So even with That's Switch, they're coming out with a GameCube controller that you can use. Okay. Because people just love using them, and especially in tournaments. And. A lot of the time, and I think that they're doing it with Switch, you know, people don't like, um, people complain about wireless controllers because there's a relay of some kind mm-hmm. sometimes. So all the controllers have been hardlined into the system. So they're like cabled controllers. So it's immediate okay. reactions. So nerds, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, and that's the kind of stuff that Clay like analyzes when he plays the game. And the rest of us are just kind of button mashing, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> crap, I got to get good with zero suit so I can dominate. And the whole but- button mashing thing, sorry to take it back to Pokemon, yeah. but I'm so glad oh. they're sticking with turn-based yeah. because the battle system in Pokemon Go, just screen mashing your cell phone oh, yeah. on battling at a gym was just, it was brutal. Yeah, I... I turn-based is i'm so that was such a relief of mine yeah it was such a like when i heard i'm like please and i heard it was compatible with go right i'm like please please do not incorporate go's uh, battle system see maybe go that's back why to the original yeah maybe that's why i didn't enjoy go as much because it, was, it wasn't no. turn-based so the battle i think the battle component is such a big part of pokemon right and then when you have it just you're not dodging you're just standing there and you're slamming your screen mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you just hope that you have more cp than the pokemon that you're battling yeah. i mean there's i mean there's a little i mean i'm oversimplifying it right there's a little bit more strategy to it yeah. you know obviously different types of pokemon are better against other types yeah i'm figuring that out but really it's just button mash it's yeah. just button mashing um an- so another game that you wanted to talk about was uh fallout the new fallout yeah so i'm not a big fallout fan um i tried playing fallout 3 i just I do like sandbox games. Kay. I do like open open world right. stuff, RPGs. But there was just so much to do in that game. I was just overwhelmed. How so? When you say you tried it, because mm-hmm. I, I have a funny story about me trying it. Okay, it's I mean it's not it's a just a quick story. But what okay. was your experience pl- trying Fallout Three? Um. Because you said it, it was yeah. overwhelming. It was overwhelming. Like you, did you play like a week? Like how? How did that I go? probably played two weeks? Okay, I probably logged mm, fifteen game hours mm-hmm. in it. So I mean, I I was immersed. I would say I was immersed yeah. in it. It was just the constantly having to scavenge for ammunition, uh-huh. and then the shooting mechanics. Like talking to Matt, our friend Matt is a huge Fallout fan, yeah. and he gets so frustrated with me when I'm like, when I'm like, oh, I don't like the shooting mechanic, uh-huh. and because because it would like zoom in and it give you like target. the, perc- yeah, the yeah. target percentage, and I'm like, that it's just slowed down the whole game, and uh-huh. I'm like, it, I mean, I don't know, I didn't like it, and he's like, you don't have to do that, it's so much better to not do that, uh-huh. and I'm like, well, I mean, I didn't have anybody explaining that right. to me when I was playing it, so I would be willing to give the franchise another chance. Mm-hmm. It just everybody needed help in the game that I played. Yeah. No matter what you did, everybody had some, and I'm such a, like, <laughs> I can't say no even in a game. <laughs> so I would always say yes, and I'd get 
tracked on the trying to track some chick down who dresses like a wasp in some yeah. cave and I'm <laughs> fighting these Merrillurks and I'm dying all the time. I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. what does this have to do with the central theme? Which is why I like Mass Effect so much is because, yes, it's very open world, but yeah. has a, still has a very structured linear storyline. I've never played that game. Yeah, you're missing out. Yeah. Um, so with Fallout 3, that's the first one that I ever tried. Um, my brother-in-law, Clay, was like, you got to try Fallout. It's so good. So I rented it, I think. Um, this was like when it was, you know, kind of new and rentable. So I rented it and I put it in and I was immediately like, oh, this is kind of cool. I, I kind of enjoy this. Um, so I played it. I sat down and I played it. Eight hours later of straight playing the game, I had like two bottle caps <laughs> and a gun. I mean, I'm exaggerating, obviously. You know, you just, I put eight hours straight into this game and did a ton of stuff. And, but it didn't feel like I had done a bunch. Mm-hmm. And, like, kind of like you're saying, everybody needs help. Uh, after eight hours, I said, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Because it was so addictive and I didn't do much, I felt like I wasted eight hours of my life. And I was like, I'm I'm not doing that again. And I haven't touched it. I haven't played any of them since. Yeah, it's it's funny how you look at eight hours in a game that you really didn't like and think that as a huge waste. Right. But then I look at... Like, I was a huge Modern Warfare 3 fan, yeah. Call of Duty on the, on, on oh, the 360. Yeah. I plugged in my 360 just to see if there was even servers still going for that game, uh-huh. which there are. Oh, yeah. And... I had like 26 days logged oh, on yeah. that game, and I don't think a day of that was wasted. I should check to see <laughs> how much I have. It's probably up there. Dude. Yeah. Um, so with the new Fallout, I think the the part that I like is that it, it is a mul- there's a multiplayer aspect to it. And the two of you can work together to build your base and survive in this post-apocalyptic world. Um, so I, I think that part of, of it kind of draws me towards it because playing by myself for eight hours cool but you know when you're on xbox live and you're having conversation yeah. i think that part of it kind of makes me more interested in yeah and in when you're working together hours. and you have you have a shared experience in right. the game that you can then sh- you know talk about outside of the game when yeah. you're not, not on xbox live i to that i think that would be one of the reasons why i think i would give yeah for sure that a shot and it's like i, I was started playing state of decay 2 with uh-huh. matt and i Matt's like downloaded and I it was a I had to re-download it so I didn't get to play with him the first uh-huh. night. And then I started playing it by myself the next day and I'm like, this game sucks. <laughs> like I hate this game. And then Matt's like, play it with me because there's a multiplayer. Right. So you can you like you can have different towns, but uh-huh. then you can like come into my game right. and play within right. my like my world that's everything. Um and once Matt started doing that and coming in and helping me, I would go into his world and help him. Mm-hmm. The game got so much more fun. Oh, really? So like, I was like, well, I actually do enjoy aspects of okay. this game, and I would play it, but it's not something I haven't. Gosh, I haven't picked that game up in probably a yeah. week. I mean, it's not it's not something that I absolutely love. But the multiplayer component made that game bearable. Uh-huh. So I'd imagine with Fallout already being a better game right. than State of Decay. Yeah. You had a multiplayer component on top of that. I bet that probably actually sure. would be a fun game. For sure. Um, and then, so, the last game for me that I'm so stoked for, it, and I, it's stupid because the trailer was literally just a kind of uh, theatrical trailer. There was no gameplay. There was It was just a teaser, but it's uh, the new Halo. Oh. I 
I'm a huge fan of Halo. I vote, you know, I didn't play like ODST and kind of those l- smaller games. Um, you completely shut off after after three. Yeah, yeah. Once Bungie yeah. got out of it, I was done. So, um, I have the Master Chief Collection and I have Halo Five, and I love them. They're so fun. I just love SWAT. Mm-hmm. Which is like hardcore on on Call of Duty, yep. you know, headshots only, one shot kill, and no, no shields. Yep. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of Forge. I don't think I ever played that. So Forge is um, map creating, oh, sandbox. So you're basically building maps to then play either capture the flag or Slayer, or you can make racing maps for vehicles. That's fun. Yeah, it's I love that part of it. Um, so any. Any Halo, and you know what's interesting about all of these games? Well, not all, but these these 360 games, whether it's um, Call of Duty or even uh, I downloaded last night. I downloaded uh, GTA Five. Um, okay, and I used to play it on 360, um, but all of these games have you know huge um, story modes, mm-hmm. and I never play the story mode. I always just go online. It's just it's just a better experience for me trying to survive or trying to create my own experience with my friends opposed to just like, okay, go here. Okay, kill this boss. Okay, move on. Okay, go here. Okay, you know. It's very repetitive. I'm just not a fan of that. It's great to warm up to the game and get an understanding of the game, but I don't I don't ever do that. That's interesting. I don't think there's a game that I have that I'd never that's I take that back. Then the Call of Duties, I stopped playing the campaigns after okay. Modern Warfare. Yeah. Um. I never. I didn't. Oh, I did play the campaign for Ghost, but I like the new World War Two. Yeah. I haven't even touched that yeah. campaign. Um. But but then you have games like, um, Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. which is all campaign, but it is very open world. Um. So I, there's an element of kind of doing your own thing, which I love to do, but. You're always in the back of your head going, okay, dude, I have I have a mission to do. There's an overarching story that I need to complete. Mm-hmm. Um, That's compelling. Yeah. That has to be the... That's true. Yeah. There you go. It has That has to be another component to it, too. Like, f- uh, Skyrim is another one where, mm-hmm. like, I love the, the lore, the, the backs, like, all of that is great. Yeah. But it's just, <laughs> for me, I... I couldn't... I just felt like no matter how much I, f- I farmed and no matter how much I did, like, there was always... Like I never could never I could really never identify what the main story was because yeah. there really kind of isn't because it's creating your uh, own ex- it's creating your own experience and for me I was like I don't have a great imagination so I just that's wanna, Bethesda right yeah I just okay. want to go through and be um like this altruistic person which gets you into a lot of just <laughs> mundane boring crap right. in those games you have a laundry list of things you have to do to help everybody mm-hmm. so that game I rented I rented. And I put it in, created a character, played a half hour of it, and I was like, "This is Fallout 3. And yeah, I, I <laughs> took it out and I stopped playing it. There's some, there's gonna be, if anybody's listening to this, that's a big Skyrim fan, they're probably gonna like turn us off. But. Well, I mean, it, I don't mean that it's Fallout. Okay, nerds, relax. <laughs> then my buddy at work, Luke, he plays all those games. He loves them. He, that's why he wants me to get the new... He's the one who wants me to get the new Fallout so I can play with him. And online multiplayer, that's great. I'm totally down and that's why I'm excited because I know I'll play with him. But, I mean, ugh, it's just the same thing of like, everybody needs help. Go help everybody. I know that game more specifically would be... could be more fun because it's 
more fantasy based, I mm-hmm. guess, but wasn't into it. Yeah. So you have some gripes for me three, more specifically on a franchise that you adore, or maybe how many games of that franchise do you actually enjoy? Oh, of Assassin's Creed? Yeah. So my bone to pick is with Ubisoft. Um, they're destroying the... F- they've Well, they've destroyed the franchise. In my opinion, they had one redeeming game after they destroyed it. I, this and is then from a historical re- perspective, And then I they think. re-destroyed it. Yeah. No, I don't nitpick no? the history, which I guess is a I bit hypocritical. I saw you commenting on Facebook about the history. No, it had more to do with... Um, <laughs> well, first, I, I got a funny story. So I post... Um, so that Okay. Assassin's uh, Ubisoft announced a new Assassin's Creed game, and it is going to be taking place as you're a Spartan warrior during ancient Greece. Okay, and which is interesting to me because the previous game in the franchise that was released last year was called Origins, about how the Assassin Order came to be. Okay, the original Assassin who created the Assassin Order with his wife, and. That was in Egypt around the time of Caesar and Cleopatra. Okay. About 30 BC, 30 AD, okay. 30, 30 BCE. This one is going to be taking place at minimum a century and a half before that. Okay. So my question was, how does what does this have to do with the order? Uh-huh. If the order isn't even in your universe, isn't, in, isn't created until for another, you know, 150 years. Yeah. What, what does this have to do with Assassin's Creed other than the fact that it's going to be a, a beautiful game? Mm-hmm. It's going to take place in a beautiful setting. Right. Ubisoft has always has created great environments mm-hmm. in their games. It's it's beautiful scenery. It looks great. Mm-hmm. Graphics are fantastic. But what does this have to do with the overarching storyline? Basically, <laughs> they what they've done is they've created another Black Flag that has even less to do with the Assassin Order. Mm-hmm. Black Flag was a great game. It was a great pirate game, right. but it wasn't an Assassin game. Okay. And that's my... I love the storyline so much from the first two games, uh-huh. four games, because the second and third game... Second and fourth... Third and fourth game were expansions on the second game. Assassin's Creed 3 was technically the fifth game. That one sucked. Black Flag was a great game. wasn't had nothing to do with the Assassin Order, mm-hmm. and then they take a break and they come out with um, Unity, which I thought was a good game because you're actually playing as somebody who's an assassin, and it makes sense within the universe that it makes it in the timeline. In the timeline, okay. and you're part of the Assassin Order. You're an assassin, and then they that one got terrible reviews because it released it way too early. It was the first one. It was the first game released on the new gen consoles. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of bugs okay. and Ubisoft just rushed it out. Uh, and everyone it, did. It had terrible, terrible bugs at the beginning. So I waited like five months to buy it until oh, I had all of the patches yeah. figured out. And it was a good game. I liked that game. It gets hammered on YouTube by people who rank Assassin's Creed games and mm-hmm. people hate it. It gets constantly like different people who talk about video games, talk about how Ubisoft is like a cautionary t- like. They use Unity as a cautionary tale okay. of how not to <laughs> rush games out yeah, for and take sure. your time, which is a fair criticism. But then they came out with Syndicate, which is my favorite game in the entire series other than AC2. And then it just went downhill from there. They took... AC2? Yeah, Assassin's <laughs> Creed 2. Okay. So I all I do is... Anyway, back to my point about yeah. saying what does this have to do with this new game, Yeah, the Spartan one have to do with the overall narrative of the Assassin Order. Yeah. 
And I get a comment. It says, Kylie Green, my girlfriend, has commented on your post on Ubisoft's Facebook page. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I click on it, and all I, all I get is, you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't play the games. No. She She's just annoyed by your comment. Because I, because I said, what does this have to do with... Um, with You're with annoying. the what does it have to do with the assassin story? Because it this takes place a, at minimum a century and a half before, um, before uh, AC Origins. And Kylie was like, "You're annoying." And when I asked her about that, I was like, "Oh, thanks for that lovely comment <laughs> yes last night." And she goes. Who are you hoping to get to reply to you on that? Like you're just talking into the abyss. Yes. And I was like, well, early like on the comment thread, Ubisoft. The Assassin's Creed team was replying to people's uh, uh, was was replying, so I was hoping to get a reply. I just legitimately want to know, right? What are you doing? Yeah. Like this is going to be a great game visually, right? But as someone who loves the storyline of Assassin's Creed, what are you doing? A they lot keep, of the, they, and they and they also they keep annoying, fe- ignoring feudal Japan, yeah, which needs to be explored by the Assassin creed because it'd be so cool to do samurais and ninjas i think i've heard other people say that yeah yeah that's a big that's a big talking point on the youtube community of people who like who follow assassin's creed um (laughs) that's hilarious because she doesn't play the game she's just annoyed that you're you're wanting answers yeah i'm just like you're so annoying like a a century and a half she's like nerd (laughs) (laughs) for sure um also you know when when those companies do those posts, they always co- comment back on the initial comments. You probably are just too late to the game. Yeah, I think so. And they were only commenting back to people who had nice things to say about oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so you should have said, "I was this I game's going to be beautiful, but what the hell?" Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, they didn't reply to me." And she's like, "Oh, because you had too hard hitting journalism." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you gosh. showed them. And I showed them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I asked the tough questions. Right. Explain yeah. yourself, Ubisoft. <laughs> They didn't <laughs> you put them in a I corner. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh God. that's great. So yeah, I mean, two nerds excited for some video games that are coming out. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit. Okay. Uh, you and I have talked about music on past episodes. We only have two other episodes, <laughs> but on the first episode, you know, we talked a little bit about music mm-hmm. in our past. Um, yep. So I think that me, we both, it's hard for us not to look at music in some form or listen to music in some form um, relating to kind of the broader social perspective. Um, And you had texted me, it was a long text, about some thoughts you had on kind of uh, the music industry and people commenting on, you, you specified politics, but I... I also kind of, I don't know if you meant this, but also social issues. Mm-hmm. So kind of tell tell me what your thoughts were. Uh, and, and you wrote something? You're just doing a free write lately? Yeah, so I was just um, brainstorming because I was watching, um, do you watch any of the Watch Mojo countdowns on YouTube? Uh, sometimes if I get okay. in like a YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah, um, so they had, so it was something like top, songs of the 70s or something like that and i was i got to thinking i'm like some of these real classic songs were direct challenges to the you know the political culture Mm -hmm, of the time mm -hmm. direct challenges to authority Mm -hmm. and i'm like i don't you see that 
today in underground, but right. some of the cl- like the absolute classic songs that we view from the 1970s mm-hmm. that we look back on, you know, very nostalgically today, are songs that um, are really you know protest songs. But then we don't really see that in, you know, the songs I think they're going to define our era of music okay. are not that way, okay. especially in certain genres. Like, right. con- like well, country music's always been very pro-government. Um, right. Yeah. But there's, I mean, so but also, and I guess you do see that more in rock and roll. But, like, for example, like... In in songs that has kind of been co opted, right? Is Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA"? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a direct challenge to American, you know, kind of to American culture. Mm-hmm. But it gets used in a pro in a very right. pro American, pro government way. Yeah, which I thought was which I thought is really interesting. Which got me thinking: Why aren't we really seeing the um our the like the really big time artists uh-huh. in our generation right doing these same type of okay. songs yeah I'm, i may be completely off basis right. and i'm and i'm completely missing it yeah but i don't i don't see it like i don't see um yeah i just i guess i don't see it I th- so i there, i was thinking about this and i think that there is i think there's a few factors kind of playing into that um but i also do think that uh, there are some big names and big artists and big songs that are pushing back on social issues, but also um, the political culture of today. Sure. So my thought on um, kind of your point that, you know, these big name artists in the past have these great hits and these big songs. You, when you text me, you were talking about the sixties and more specifically, you know, the Vietnam war, um, which, you know, that's a huge thing. People are going to push back. I think in the 90s or in 2000s, you saw some pretty big artists pushing back on the politics of the time. I, I Infamously, the Dixie Chicks. Yes, but I was going to touch on the Dixie, okay. Dixie Chicks, too. The amount of vitriol that they took yeah. from their... Um, from their criticism of President Bush yeah. after 9/11 with the Iraq with the Iraq War right. and Afghanistan War, they were completely like embargoed from. They right. were shunned for sure. Like people, like I even people in Britain were smashing <laughs> their CDs. Okay, but it it so ruined their career. Even today, they're not like especially amongst country artists. Like, right, they're not viewed in a favorable light at all. Right, but that they're still pushing back on that. Whether. So you could say that it was or was not effective, but I think historically, when you look back, because there was so much um, pushback on them or hate on them for what they were saying, they took a chance and, I mean, it destroyed their careers, like you said, but they took that chance and they did push back on the political climate and choices. Yes, and I, I I identified that almost as a split. Okay. Um, because that happened in what two thousand three, two thousand four, I think, is when yeah. that song, like their their, when they made their comments. Uh-huh. So it was right. This was only about a year after the Iraq War, and it was really before, um, things started to deteriorate in uh-huh. terms of support for that conflict. Okay. Because they were they were a little ahead of it, uh-huh. and there was a lot of um. I think you're right. There was after the Dixie Chicks. 
six after you know their um their criticism came out and they started getting backlash after the war started to turn public opinion you did see a few more artists like green day starting to come out and make um, so i wonder if green day was before that i'm not certain okay let's look that up yeah um but go ahead anyway so you have other artists starting to kind of jump on that too but i almost wonder if especially within country music if that became a very um that split is almost it, this like rise of like, almost because in, in in how Americans view the world, there really is a market di- marked difference between how the United States viewed its place in the rest of the world pre nine eleven and after nine eleven. And I want and I I wanted to look at does is that reflected in music in any way in terms of what Today. is ex- what is acceptable messages what is acceptable of oh. our um of the people who are in the public spotlight, uh-huh. do they need to adhere to these, like, n- you know, this nationalistic or patriotic mm-hmm, principles? Mm-hmm. Or is it acceptable for them to continue to speak out against so what you're among saying, the populace? Yeah, so what you're saying for the Dixie Chicks, it, was, it wasn't it was acceptable at the time for them to be speaking out yeah. against it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's more of where oh, I want to, okay. like, look at it is what is it acceptable? And is that driving... Um, certain artists to shy away from vocalizing their own opinions because look at I mean look at what's going on just in football I know this is not the same thing but Colin Kaepernick can't get a job right because he kneeled right and I think I think the difference is industry I mean you're you're comparing football America's sport to kind of pop culture music which is accepted by everybody I mean, I think with the Dixie Chicks, because they were country, mm-hmm. it was like a slap in the face. Yeah, but England didn't l- listen. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I mean, there was... I think there is so much more... Um, I think there would be so much more today than... It, um, I think it would be so much more as as prevalent with... Um, I think it would be as prevalent today... Like as it was in the 1970s mm-hmm. in the anti-Vietnam move, like mm-hmm. the anti-Vietnam movement, um, if there wasn't so much uh, bubbling nationalism, kind mm-hmm. of within mm-hmm. the within certain sections of our of our country. Okay. Well, so um, one, so Dixie Chicks, they I think they made their statement in 2003. 2003. Okay, yeah, that's, that would have been right the same year as the Iraq invasion and Green Day. Their album was released in 2004. Okay, so they're around the same time. Yeah. Okay. Um, but kind of the things that I was thinking about about today was um, I think that there are way more artists today. And there's way... Uh, we're living in the age of information so and access. So everybody is listening. I don't listen to new music unless it's an artist that I've listened to for a while. Mm-hmm. Um and then they come out with a new album and I'll listen to them. Um, so I think that that plays into kind of who's saying what. Um, but also I think polarization. I think that – so I found some great examples of people challenging um, the political climate and the administration today and American culture. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I just think that – I think that there are, there are some big names and there are some big cultural examples of us pushing back. Um, and when you talk about the, the artists that define us and define our generation, I think that it's hard to have those people and those artists um, 
at this time? Because, I mean, right off the top of your head, who is one artist from this generation that you think, when people look back, that is someone who's going to stand out, like, huge from that time? Uh, Probably Beyonce. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And she's been political. Okay. Like they, yeah. her and Jay Z went to Cuba ahead mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. the lifting of, um, the you know the travel. They went to Cuba ahead of the Obama administration uh-huh. lifting, the um, uh, the travel ban. Yeah. To go on Cuba. Yeah. And that was seen as a pretty political statement. Uh-huh. And they've been they were outspoken, um, uh, supporters of Barack Obama. Right. But I've never seen them really come out as you know with critical statements right. of either the Bush administration or the Trump administration. So I have, you know, I set up the computer and I set up uh, the TV and I wanted to show you some examples. I can cut them out and just we can just post the links if we want to. Okay. Um, so people can kind of see the videos that we're talking about. But I wanted to show you some that maybe you haven't heard mm-hmm. or haven't or, or that you don't know of. Sure. Um, and the biggest one, I think, is did you see... Uh, Eminem's bit the storm on B on the BET awards. I don't. Mm, I'll, I'll have to look at it. I don't know if I did okay, or not. I have it. You know how this stuff this stuff always gets popped up on Facebook scrolls, right. and you could see something and not really realize what it was. Um. So I'm gonna play this and just listen to it. And for those who are listening on the podcast, um, it'll jump ahead straight to our comments after. We've watched it, and if you would like to watch it, um, I'll post the link with the with the podcast. So, this is a uh, it was his freestyle um, on the BET Awards. It's uh, he calls it the storm. He uh, he goes hard in the paint. Okay, on this one. Boom. Damn. All right. You never saw that? No. Yeah. That was really good. And that's one of the biggest names in rap. You know? All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess I I don't don't generally listen to rap music. So that came out, and I think there was, I mean, obviously, at the end of the, he challenges his fans, who are, I would imagine some of them are pretty blue-collar, you know, conservative people. Not conservative, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Middle America. He's from Michigan. He has a lot of those people that support him and who might also support Trump. And he says, if you do, like, here's the line, you're either with me or you're with him. And I think there was a lot of people who, I mean, I saw a lot of, I mean, it's the internet. So who knows how many actual people were like FM&M, but Mm -hmm. he's calling out his own fans right there and saying, you know, you're either with my political opinion and and you share my views against this person or you know go get out yeah no i mean that's basically what he was saying yeah. um very harsh but it was uh, oh he was harsh but that's how he's always been he's for sure as a savage like he's yeah. trying to hit you mm-hmm. um i i i just i love his ability to 
to the way he says things, you know, especially something like that. When I first saw it, I was like, where is he going with this? You know, and the way he just, drew, you know, connected it all together. I, he's, he's great. Um, so what are your thoughts? Well, I have to amend my original, um, original point a little bit that it's not, it's being seen. Obviously that's just one example. I had more. It's a great example. Oh, if you got more, then I do I'd have more. love to see them. Okay, so um, the my other example is uh, it's so funny because I'm I'm choosing these these songs. I'm choosing these artists. In our first episode, I'm talking about Backstreet Boys, and people are like, "What does this dude listen to?" My next choice is, and I have to say, I'm an absolute fan of her. I adore her, and you know how much I love her is Pink. Mm-hmm. Have you heard her song, What About Us? Yes. Okay, so I, I won't play it because you've heard it, but that song, in it, 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 I, I looked it up, and I thought it was about uh, the American people and politics, and it is. In an interview, she says, the song, What About Us, is about how we look to the government and we look to these institutions to you know, save us and follow through on us and protect us and... You know, in the interview, she's trying not to say that she's anti-Trump or anti the current political com- um, uh, climate, which is kind of what you're saying. Like, why aren't people she's speaking stopping out? short? She's stopping short. But if you listen to the song, I mean, she is. She is commenting on it and she is saying something and she's one of the biggest artists right now, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, her freaking tour tickets are like hundreds of dollars. Dang, I would I, not have expected that. I looked into it. Well, I know. You were saying you're going to go. <laughs> um, so I think there's another artist that kind of is challenging it. Ish, but if she's not willing to state it publicly, you can. most people look listening on the radio are not going to look that deeply into um, the lyrics. I mean, they'll listen to the hook and maybe pick out some certain words from the hook. Yeah. But I don't think that... Most people, I had no idea that it was about, it was a political commentary. Um, so I, I don't know if I necessarily, I think maybe her maybe proves my point slightly. Yeah, so I think I think as long as we talk over it, we can play it. Um, but there's only, there's, there's some, within the first verse, I think that you can see some of the lyrics of, okay, so you said generally people won't listen to the lyrics. Well, that's just because people are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> But if if you so she is, I think, artistically and vaguely talking about the American people and the political and, and politics and the relationship between the two. I mean, that could be interpreted anyway, you know. Yeah. But then once you start getting the lyrics and you start hearing what she's saying who could she possibly be talking about I mean I guess everyone could assume that it's about a relationship you know yeah now that you say that it had a you told me that this has a political like spin to it right and now i'm looking at these words and seeing like okay i get i get what she's saying 
Um, when you, I, for me, when I heard, I've heard this song before. Um, and when you would, when you messaged me about, you know, looking at, at music today, um, and challenging status quo and, and culture and stuff, I instantly thought of this song, but prior to, I hadn't thought of it as a political song. And now that I, I do, I think it's a better song. In a lot of ways, though, this is the kind of rhetoric that Trump used to get into office. For sure. But maybe that's the point of her song is, you know, you're saying that she's not like choosing a side or not, you know, she's kind of being vague about it. But maybe that's the point of the song is that it's it's not she's trying not to polarize it more. She's saying we are one people. What about us? Make sure if you're going to, you know, we put you in office. We put these politicians in a place to be the watchers. Mm-hmm. And she's saying she's not polarizing it, I don't think, you know. She's saying, you know, w- just make sure you remember you're there for us. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, that's a great sentiment and yeah. we ho- something we all hope to uh we all hope that our elected officials follow right. for sure but i mean obviously this message got completely co-opted by um the man that was being criticized by eminem in the last video we just watched right um, which is highly unfortunate yeah but so i mean those are two kind of big artists that i found that do comment on um specifically politics um but then when you messaged me about everything that's going on, I thought a lot culturally, because there is a lot culturally going on. And I think that um, the representation um, from African-American artists and their challenge to culture and their challenge to the climate, ha- I thought I think it's been massive, not just in music, but like you said with Colin, in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see... Uh, Childish Gambino's This Is America? No. Jake, are you kidding me? I cannot believe you haven't seen this video. The symbolism in this video is insane. Okay, I'm excited (laughs) to see it. And I will say, you know, I think that for me, this is where my, um, my English analysis, you know what I mean? In, In English... In my English minor, they force you to deconstruct things. And I think that when I saw this this video, I, t- I looked at Jen and I said, I think that if our teachers are good and our teachers strive to be the best and to to look at historical cultures, I mean, obviously in the future, this will be history. I hope and I pray that there is a teacher out there who uses this video when analyzing this era and this time and to have a conversation with the students and ask them what their thoughts are. Hmm. I do find it interesting though. Like at the end, Eminem says like, we love our, like he, he states like we, uh, we love our, so I will get into this on the other side. No, you can do it right now real quick before I play it. Um, or it says like, we look like he, at the end, he almost, he like, he feels like he, it almost like it's forced where he right. says we love our military. Almost like, he feels like he has to in- inject that, yeah, I which the is same thing. such an interesting um, study mm-hmm. for because I look at it as like, well, why does he feel like he needs to say we love our military? Yeah. I think that 
for most Americans, that's just implied. Right. But it's part of that culture now that you have to, you have to, you know, just to make sure. Right. I need you to know I support our military. Yes. I'm going to be critical of the government, but I need you to know to support our military because that's such, I think, um, that is such an emphasis now. And I wonder why. I wonder if that's um, because we're so ashamed of how we treated our military servicemen after they came home from Vietnam right. and we're so oh, trying to overcorrect yeah. for that now that anytime you challenge the government, yeah. you are implicitly criticizing the military, military yeah. which why can't we separate? Why, why can't we separate that as a culture? Right, right. now? I think that is for people who are critical of Trump. I wonder if that is in their psyche. If that is a real um uh that's a real area of um god i'm trying to think of the right word if that's a real um something that they're 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 honestly worried about and something they have to constantly keep saying in their minds like i do love the military right i do love the military i'm america i'm american because i I do love the military so they're constantly having to tell themselves that to make themselves feel i guess make me so make themselves feel better you know i was thinking about exactly that and so you talked about coming home from Vietnam and kind of the, I don't know, people argued that there was no disrespect, but the disrespect that we've read about as far as the military facing when they come back for mm-hmm. fighting in that war. Yeah. What you're talking about, I think about the attitude of, um, you know, in the 2000s. So once there was a shift against the Iraq war, I don't think the support for the troops ever wavered. It did not. So no. I think that that's where that comes from. It's like, listen, we we disagree with everything that this administration is doing, but our kids are out there, so we still support them. Our fathers, our, you know what I mean? Our mm-hmm. mothers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and I think I, that that's where that comes and from. And also with with um, with veterans, something I've noticed, because I, 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 um, I have the... Uh, through my job, I deal with a lot of, um, you know, I, I interact with, oh, I shouldn't say deal because that's not the right word, <laughs> but I, I interact with a lot of veterans right. from all generations, mm-hmm. you know, at the counter, both mm-hmm. working with them and um, speaking to them as a, you know, as a customer, uh-huh. as, you know, them being the customer. And they're not 100%, but there is a lot of sentiment that I pick up that they feel they feel inherently disrespected huh. um, within the community. And they kind of wear a chip on their shoulder, right? which is why I think veterans have such a high approval rating. Trump has such a high approval rating among, Amongst them. among veterans. Mm-hmm. And um, even though there are veterans who have come out and said, you know, we don't support Trump's attacking of the, you know, NFL players who kneel yeah. because we fought for their right to, to do that. Absolutely. But there's still a lot, I think there's still a lot of veterans that carry a chip on their shoulder uh-huh. feeling like they're disrespected. Even ones who didn't, who served after Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I wonder where that, I just, it's interesting. I wonder where that, where that comes from sure. because I don't see as a non-veteran, right. I don't see where the criticism of troops comes from right is coming from i don't right. see it i don't see it in mil- i don't see it in our media i don't see it in our um in 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 uh, popular culture i don't see it yeah. anywhere maybe i'm just blind to it but I'm, i mean there i spent a long a long time on the kind of conservative side of this looking critically at democrats yeah 
and but I even then I don't think I even saw that that criticism of our of our troops. So it's interesting where that chip is coming from because it does drive a lot of support for the current administration. And me, me, in almost like if you um, were to criticize Trump, they take it as an attack on themselves. That's what I was going to say. Is you said that earlier about you know anytime you're uh, criticizing the government, you're inherently criticizing the military. Yeah. So you have one, you have one portion of our society who can separate or you know does their best to try to separate their criticism of the government and their support for the military right. they don't see them as as um uh they see those two as as uh, mutually exclusive mm-hmm. they don't have to be tied together whereas the other the other side sees you know if you're criticizing the government mm-hmm. you're you're you are criticizing um you are criticizing the uh you are criticizing the military yeah. by extension. Um, but it is interesting on the right though. What I did notice is that that only really occurred under the, um, the Bush administration mm-hmm. and now the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. But if you criticized the Obama administration as a conservative, mm-hmm. you weren't attacking the military. Right. You're actually on the side of the military because Obama wasn't taking care of the military. Like, right. like he was against the military. He didn't For like sure. the United, he didn't like the U S military. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was always that kind of narrative being, you know, propagated yeah. through, um, especially through Fox News, which I find incredibly interesting because Obama did a ton, yeah, for, um, you know, for veterans. Yeah. I mean, the VA was a mess, but it's still a mess, and it's right. been a mess for gen- it's been a me- mess for decades. Right. So, but well, and I think if you ask anybody, you could ask nearly anybody, do you support the troops? Do you support our military? And they would say yes. Yeah, I think. Uh, we'll have to get we'll have to get a veteran in here one day to talk to us. I have my friend Jeff. Um, he fought in Afghanistan. And I think he went to Iraq as well. Um, and he's one of those guys who identifies as a libertarian. Okay. But I think it'd be interesting to have him in here and talk with us. You know, to kind of pick his brain on his ideas and his thoughts mm-hmm. as far as especially sentiment towards the military and and what his thoughts are and maybe how he feels that'd be fantastic because i have a, i have a veteran too if that doesn't if yours doesn't yeah. work out i have one that bring them both in here yeah. we got enough mics yeah that'd be fun yeah um but yeah i mean eminem ending with that i think that's it it's a great thing to analyze mm-hmm. and i don't know the answer but it is interesting yeah all right so we're gonna watch that childish gambino video this is america and uh I'm going to pick your brain a little bit on it. Right, on the so s- pay attention to symbolism okay. and um, the representation and the ideas of um, black culture and black America. Great. Okay. All right. All right. What do you think? Still trying to process a lot of that. Right. Um, there was a lot there for yeah. sure. Um, I like how he, he juxtaposed um, the like you know the the dancing you know the the, mm-hmm, the whip mm-hmm. and um, some of the popular dances with all the chaos that's going on in the right. background. So uh, one analysis that I've read was that that is a representation of um, society's way of celebrating black culture and celebrating the things that um, black culture contributes. You know, like dancing and um, style. Um, but in the background, you have that chaos and those very dark things that. Um, african-americans have to deal with every day that chaos so in the forefront you're seeing the dancing and you're seeing the fun things you're listening to the song but in the background it's cars are on fire you know police are chasing people it's just chaos Mm -hmm. it's very interesting yeah um that's 
very interesting analysis yeah. for sure. I didn't think about it like that. I thought it when I first saw the um, the kids on the cell phones recording mm-hmm. um, Danny Glover's dancing with mm-hmm. his back with his back backup dancers, mm-hmm. and they're you know he's you know they're, they're doing these um, kind of popular dances mm-hmm. that you see in in um, different you know rap mm-hmm. uh, music videos with all of that chaos going in mm-hmm. the background. I I th- I thought it just juxt- juxtaposing those two images. I thought it was it was a criticism of how aloof some are mm-hmm. um while we've got kids that are you know whipping and doing all of this stuff and recording instead of stepping in and trying right. to stop no, this chaos they're just insulating themselves yeah. and kind of ignoring the broader bigger issues right. that are you know that are kind of degrading or I mean it is a, it is a narrative on larger yeah, the song is called this is america mm-hmm. so you know there there are those representations there but um i mean gun violence he he kind of shows that yeah um and is is kind of trying to i don't know this video was huge when it first came out and everybody was talking about it and everybody was analyzing it the new york times had a whole video and article analyzing this video wow yeah um and some people his pants so he's shirtless but he's wearing pants people are saying that those pants were um uh supposed to be representations or recreations of uh confederate soldier pants Oh yeah, so I haven't heard him say anything about the analysis of the video, which I kind of love because, or the intentions of the video. Mm-hmm. I love that because it leaves it open for other people to kind of pick apart and see what they sure. think and how they feel. Yeah. Um, no, that was really well done. I love it. Really I can't well tell you how many times I've watched that video. I've watched it so many times because every time you pick something else up, um, and then at the end of the video when he's running. Just because he's an actor, also mm-hmm. he looks terrified. Yeah. Um. And just just what that says about you know how he feels as an African American man, but also he's you know he's he there's an element of him kind of representing African American culture and people. Mm-hmm. You know, I I just thought I love it because it did spark such conversation. Yeah. And analysis. And we and people. we we need that. Unfortunately, most people are just going to go to their respective uh, trenches and then right you know take pot shots at each other and so never I, I, never move anywhere yeah so i think when you when you listen to that song it's very different opposed to when you watch that video sure you know so kind of with that pink song when you hear it you're like oh this is a nice little jam this is this is kind of a sweet song what about us is this about love is this about you know families what is this about but then when you hear her t- say it's specifically about politics it changes the way that you look at it, um, the way that you listen to it, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, but this song, because there's that visual representation, there's no way around his... There's intention there. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's political and social intent there. Intent. So you have to... It automatically sparks a conversation. Yeah. I will say, I didn't show you Pink's video, but hers had some kind of... Um, cultural visual representations of of america and american people okay. it's very diverse it was uh, interpretive dancing a lot of interpretive dancing um so i don't know i i think so i think that there are these artists there are these videos there are these songs that people are coming out to and especially with this is america i think i love the conversation that it's starting um i wish that w- there were more conversations um 
kind of provoked from artists today. Yes, I, I would agree. Um, something that kind of jogged my memory in thinking about this is like a lot of people who like are would say like I you know I don't like NFL players kneeling. Yeah, they don't like their the people who are not politicians using their platforms politically. Yeah. But then I, I find it in but keeping with the music, a lot of those people love, you know, today you could, you, you talk to a lot of, you know, white blue collar, mm-hmm. they love, you know, eighties rock. Right. And this got me thinking, okay, but and they, you know, you're asking about twisted sister and D Snyder, uh-huh. but just, um, and they're like, Oh, you know, they look at back on them nostalgically. They love, you know, they love the, right. you know, the, the metal, but D Snyder w- sat in front of Congress mm-hmm. and called out Congress for their um, hypocritical stance mm-hmm. on his on his music. Right, like he directly challenged. Yeah, um, you know Tipper Gore and yeah. the Reagan oh, yeah. administration right. in that in that um, the movement of the Christian right to kind of start to censor mm-hmm. rock music. But those same people are wanting to now censor Colin Kaepernick you know other others that are using their platform it's very interesting because in this this would be the same people who um who don't want it who don't want it in their on their football Mm -hmm. you know don't don't mess with my football right the music that they listened to was a direct was a direct challenge so how are they going like how are they figuring this out in their mind right and i will say that even today if you were to listen to um I mean, all punk rock has always been anti-establishment and anti-government. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the the '80s rock, there's uh, the Used is a band I love, and they have um, this entire album uh, called Imaginary Enemy, and it's the almost the whole thing is dedicated to um, challenging thought and the way that you think and and analyzing the way that you think. Um, but those people who do like that old music that did challenge the status quo who now I I would imagine and I would assume and this is just me assuming I, or maybe even I wonder how they would view music today that challenges those establishments. It will be interesting to um, do kind of like a almost a video montage have someone sit down watch this Childish Gambino video mm-hmm. have them say what they think about it. Right. And then show them a clip of D. Snyder sitting on the floor of the Senate, right. calling out senators mm-hmm. for you know for their attempted censorship. Uh, yeah, their attack on freedom of speech. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. So um, I think that you know, for I loved when you texted me your thoughts on this because I knew that this would be a fun conversation to have. I knew that. I had a feeling you wouldn't have seen any of these videos yeah. or heard these songs, um, but now you know. So there definitely is. It It is there. I don't know yeah. if it's as prevalent. Right. And I think my original statement is not quite as valid, okay. but I still think I have, I, th- I still think it, there is portions of our, um, of, of the, you know, of music that is being made today yeah. that is purposefully um, trying to avoid, avoid it, becoming yeah. political because of how, um, just how toxic it is yeah. to careers. And I, th- I want, I, I think I, the post nine eleven era of American politics in American culture, um, really drives, was kind of a splitting was kind of, I, for me was kind of a, a, a big turning point in terms of how 
where where some of these artists can go to be um to be critical in so it's it's definitely not as mainstream as it right. as it used to be so i agree to a point about what you're saying but i wonder if oversaturation of artists and access that's what i was saying earlier sure you know maybe there's too many i do think there's an element of people kind of trying to stay back and not say much um in fear of their own you know hurting their own career the music industry is hard as it is mm-hmm. um to make money from for especially from those you know underground musicians and yeah i know that there are a lot of underground musicians you had mentioned it who do comment on that um but even even with the larger ones, I mean, there are people who are saying it's things against, you know, what they think. But I wonder, you know, 50 years ago, I would imagine that these mainstream artists, the number of mainstream artists were much was much smaller than it is today. I think because you have different, you know, there's different ways to access music and exposure to new music. So everybody's listening to so many different things but you do have these big hitters you know beyonce like you mentioned i think pink is big childish gambino um kendrick lamar you have these huge artists who who are using their platforms but i think that you know there are i just think there's maybe maybe oversaturation of music and artists and maybe the ability to listen to somebody else or not listen to somebody else might affect the way that um you know, there isn't one song that comes out that everybody, everybody's listening to. Okay. You know I what I'm you, saying? I get your point. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely see that. But I don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm just, I'm thinking that, I'm wondering if maybe that is playing into um, the way that people are, are listening to music. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I that's something I hadn't considered. Yeah. And I think that definitely is probably a big component of it. Just, yeah, you're right, the oversaturation of, right. of, of, of. of Music, but also music is becoming so much more homogenized. I think that's something I touched okay. on. Yeah, you said in that. Our, in, in what do you text. mean by that? It just sa- all of, all of these sounds are becoming so uh, like electronic, uh-huh. and they all sound the same. Like right. if you were to go on country radio today, you couldn't like you could probably barely tell the difference between that and certain songs on Z100. I've been listening to a lot more country lately. Oh yeah, which well, is like new new country. Yeah, new oh, country. Okay, well, I'm gonna be really pretentious and say I don't consider that country music. Well, I mean, I put on the country station and okay. I am listening and just I hate. I've always hated country music, um, but I've just been I've been trying to get outside of my bubble and listen and and expose myself to new things. Like like I told you earlier, I've even been watching Fox News mm-hmm. just to which has been absolute torture. But <laughs> I'm trying to kind of get outside of, of my box. But yeah. What were you saying? Oh, just uh, you know, that was that was it. I just I wonder if oh, how how music gosh. basically all becoming the same, the same beat, same four chords, the, the same four chords, right? And then a bunch of um, just nonsensical lyrics mm-hmm. that, as long as the beat's catchy, it's popular, right? And because you're not offending anybody, because you're not talking about anything, right? And that's just be, seems to be just plastered over. Uh-huh majority of the radio stations yeah like country sings about nothing now. right nothing like, there's absolutely nothing uh, their songs say nothing yeah. anymore whereas you go back and you listen to you know merle haggard and uh waylon jennings and johnny cash they mm-hmm. were singing about real for things sure. for whether sure. it was about their life or they were talking about um uh 
you know, they were talking about, you know, act, you know, social issues from their perspective right. or issues that are going on in the government yeah. from their perspective. And nowadays it's just like, I'm talking about my truck and yeah, your truck, uh, your dog. Well, not even, yeah. What's it's just that like comedian who does that bit. The, uh, Bo Burnham. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. He, he nails that. Nails, on, it. nails it on the head about what is how, um, pop country today is basically just a bunch of adverbs that yeah. they know that are going to get people all right they're going to people yeah you know red truck uh cold beer right um i have you know sweet tea and then it also it's something this is completely off topic right but country today's country music has become so sexist versus oh, really? I, I would this could be a this could be another topic for another day uh-huh. i don't want to get too deep into yeah. it but i've been really studying this is this is really weird but i've been really studying how language in terms of how women are portrayed in country songs today right, right. versus how w- women were portrayed in country songs in the 70s and 80s uh-huh. and even into the 90s yeah. versus you know so show, like in there it's completely different it's fascinating hmm. it's really really fascinating that sounds interesting yeah we'll talk about that another yeah day. we should because that'd be fun um and interesting to analyze. Well, dude, I mean, we're not going to come to a conclusion, but it's definitely been fun to kind of analyze, you know, the music industry and kind of this um, this choice or not to to comment on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think this was a great conversation. Yeah. And once again, I know we 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 say this every week, but I hope that our you know our discussion prompts a discussion in your own life. And, you know, this just furthers, um, you know, f- you know, furthers us on this path of trying to, you know, talk to each other. Right. And just and just go out and find someone that you may disagree with and exactly. have a conversation. I think that there's so much that can be, um, you know, so much better. We can there's so much better we can do as a society. Right. And we need to be better. And, right. And I, I hope that this podcast in a, in a small way can can help, can right. help with that. And uh, take the time. To maybe listen to the music and listen to the words. Maybe there's more there that you're not picking up on. Yeah, and let us know in the comment section if there's anything you think we glaring that we missed or anything you found interesting. Or if there's anything you guys want us to touch on and talk about. Um, But otherwise, uh, again, thanks for listening. Thank Um, you so much. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And uh, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. never wrong you're never wrong i should never yeah should never question the great jeff say what you